The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. Happy you're joining us. Talking Final Four, talking championship, maybe who we think can win the championship. We got some Masters. We got NFL win totals. We got the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. And Nate, uh, this is kind of like a little buffet of things to be betting on for the next week, couple weeks with the Masters, NFL win totals, Final Four. We got a little bit of everything. Yeah, I guess it's a throwback podcast to when we were doing stuff over the summer and the yeah. NBA was winding down. We threw in some NHL. We were always doing golf. We were focusing ahead of college football and NFL. So we're going to hit on a few topics today with the final four being the first, the two games on Saturday. But I also wanted to talk a little bit of Masters just in case we're not able to do a podcast next week when the Masters take place. Just some early targets from me. I'll have more content, articles, and other things about the Masters to check out, um, non-podcast related, but wanted to talk a little bit about that because there are odds for the Masters. There's usually always odds up for the majors for golf. And then in between, NFL win totals just came out, and there's been a crazy off-season flurry of moves in the NFL, and there's already been some line movements since the opening win totals dropped on Friday. So I wanted to kind of just talk about those teams and maybe explain why. There is some movement in the market for the regular season win totals for the NFL, even though we're like seven weeks removed from the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's we, it's a lot to talk about, and, and we'll have more content. We got NBA playoffs coming up. We got MLB coming up. We're going to have some guys coming on in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, talking Major League Baseball, too. So that'll be a lot of fun. You can follow us on Twitter at Stadium Bets. Follow the Stadium Twitter account, too. Um, I'm starting to make some stuff on TikTok. I know you're making some things on TikTok, so we're joining the uh, the younger generation, getting getting to see our faces on TikTok. Yeah, check out my TikTok. I think it's just Nate's betting page, uh, <laughs> doing some cool stuff over there. Uh, definitely a lot of golf there. So if you do want my golf stuff, look there. I try to do like almost a video every day about golf or at least leading up to a tournament as this week's the Valero Texas Open. So if you're listening now and missed out on a Valero Texas Open, maybe you can go back and look to bet someone live. But um, going to be a lot of focus on the Masters next week. But, yeah, definitely check out our TikToks and our, our Twitter accounts to stay up to date with our, our betting thoughts as we uh, – do the podcast and then also working for uh, live on the line for Stadium, which is an exciting show that we've been doing for the last two months. Yeah, it's very weird to say check out my TikTok, but it's 2022, <laughs> so you might, you might as well get with it. Um, all right, so let's look at the tournament. We've got Final Four stuff to talk about, of course, uh, and we're down to the final weekend of the NCAA March Madness tournament. It's been a great tournament so far. It hasn't been like super amazing. But you had like St. Peter's, that was a yeah. lot of fun. You had a chance, you had, we have a chance for a Duke North Carolina Final Four game, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. So you've had bits and pieces of this tournament that's been exciting and, and there hasn't been like massive upsets other than maybe, you know, the St. Peter's Kentucky game and, and you had a couple here and there. But other than that, really, it's been a fairly middle of the road tournament, I'd say. Fun, but not super memorable. 
Yeah, it's always fun when there's just so many games in the first weekend, 16 on Friday or Thursday and Friday, and then eight on Saturday. And by the time there's eight on Sunday, you're almost overwhelmed. Last weekend, I think Thursday was awesome. Friday, there were some close games, and you were at uh, one of them or two of them, I guess, at the United Center. Maybe we can talk about that if you have any memorable stories from the Midwest region at the United Center. But one kind of general impression I had from the second weekend of the tournament, which maybe you can take going forward, maybe not for the Final Four, but just kind of in general next year, is the amount of unders that happened in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Where if you look at the 12 games that were played Thursday through Sunday, full game unders, 11-1. and The only game that went over was the Texas Tech-Duke game, and that's mostly because Duke didn't miss a field goal the last nine minutes of the game. And then on Saturday, the only game in the first half to go over, in the, just the first half total alone, was Arkansas against Duke, and it ended up going under by half a point. But the first half under is 11-1. and one. And, Ben, I think you mentioned it last week, kind of the, the sight lines of an NBA arena and just kind of the nerves of playing in the second weekend and the, and the travel, traveling to a new place after traveling the weekend before could maybe lead to some slow starts and certainly played out like that over those four days. But now you look at the Final Four and – it's almost like everyone knows there's unders have been yeah. so prevalent, and now the totals are dropped down a little bit because the market corrects itself. And I think in the past you'd think, okay, you're going to this big football stadium, in this case the Superdome in New Orleans, it's harder to shoot in a huge arena, a stadium or huge dome like that with the sight lines and then just like the ton of people in the crowd not sitting in normal places in a basketball arena. But I look back and the last time the final four was in New Orleans, 2012, all the three games, the final four national title game did go under. But since then semifinals, not including last year when they were basically playing in empty stadiums, uh, the over is eight, five and one in those semifinals uh, since the, or after the last time it was in New Orleans and not including last year's, and then obviously two years ago, there was no uh, no NCAA tournament in general. So I think the numbers have adjusted to the fact that there have been so many unders this tournament, especially the last weekend. So I'd be a little bit cautious, I guess, blindly betting the unders or the first, maybe go first half under, but full game under, I'd be really cautious betting it this week just because it's well known that there's been less scoring in this NCAA tournament, and a lot of teams have shot poorly uh, in these games. I'm really tempted to do first-half overs at this point because, especially for that Duke-North Carolina game, yeah, these teams know each other so well. And, of course, we remember that game where Duke lost to North Carolina at home towards the end of the season. I mean, these guys are ready for each other. They know what to expect. And I know it's going to be a different environment, of course, in New Orleans, everything like that, yada, 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 but... These teams know each other so well that at this point, I don't know how much of a difference this, these defenses are going to be making. I think these these teams are good enough scoring-wise. North Carolina has been on a tear. Duke has had a top-five offensive efficiency in college basketball in the past three or four games. So these teams are like at their peak scoring-wise, and it's a high first-half total. It's 71. You know That's really high. But I can see it going over in the first half of that game just because the teams are going to be ready. They're going to be good to go. They're going to be fired up. They're going to know each other really well. It can sail over. You can see like a 40-35 type of first half. 
Yeah, I think the pace will be there. It just kind of determines on if they're going to make their shots. And sure. with the different shooting sight lines, maybe it's a struggle, but at the same time, maybe it's been adjusted. But let's talk about the first game because I think there's a very interesting case for either side. And then the total, I know I see a lot of people on the under, but I'm a little bit worried about, about that just because we've seen so many unders, and this feels a little yeah. bit too low. Yeah, it, it does a little bit. And then I know, obviously, Nova's going to be missing Justin Moore, and that's going to be the talk of, of everything going on in this game and how much they're going to miss his play and how well Kansas has looked in this tournament. But I'm leaning towards the Nova spread. Nate, I, I really am in a game like this. And I was able to watch Kansas almost front, front and center at the United Center this past weekend. And, you know, they look good. They, they made that second-half adjustments where – you could see Bill Self's coaching come into play, and they were able to play better defense against McGusky, and and it just it looked like they were able to play well. Um, but I I don't know against a team like Nova if they can pull that off because if they have the half they had against Miami in the first half against Villanova, they they might be in trouble. Yeah, potentially. Um, so the Villanova Kansas game, Kansas right now a four and a half point favorite, total 132, which I think is kind of built into what we saw last weekend. So I would stay away from the total, although I do see a situation where Nova does try to trim the game down, shorten, lengthen the possessions to make it a, a longer game and, and not try to get into a track meet. With Kansas, and, and the simple reason they can't do that is they don't have the personnel to do so. And the reason the line is out to Kansas minus four and a half is because Villanova runs a six-man rotation or has been running a six-man rotation. And Justin Moore, one of their better players, or one of those six guys, tore his Achilles late in the second half against Houston in a very devastating way. So now Houston, or Villanova basically has five guys they could trust. They were probably going to count on those guys to play almost every minute. The other guy who might play is uh, Ryan Archie Diakono's son, um, not son, brother, Chris Archie Diakono. Archie Diakono. Uh, so he's going to probably get some run because they need to, but he hasn't really played much of this tournament. Um, and the line now at four and a half, I think if, if Justin Moore was healthy, I think Kansas would be a favorite, but like by two or something. I think because Houston closed minus three against Nova, and you could argue that the way they were trending, Houston is power rated higher than Kansas. I think this line would have been, like I said, one and a half or two. You probably tack on two points for Kansas with the more injury, and then you add another point because Kansas looked so good in the second half against Miami, outscoring the Hurricanes 47 to 15. So now the question you have to ask can Villanova stay out of foul trouble? Can they slow the game down like they get against, did against Houston? And maybe can Kansas struggle from three, just like Houston did on Saturday, going one of 20 from behind the arc? And Justin Moore missed a game earlier this year against UConn. They were hosting UConn this season. Archie Diacono ended up playing 26 minutes. Nova won by 11 points. So I guess my takeaway conclusion is I really want to bet Nova at an inflated number. I trust Jay Wright to get the most of this team, maybe the team to rally around the Justin Moore injury. I'm just worried about foul trouble in a sport where you're out of the game if you get five fouls or a potentially another injury. We've seen Colin Gillespie hobble around at times this tournament. So everything number-wise, says Nova, I think we can get a strong 40 minutes where they rally around Justin Moore. I'm just worried about other factors 
and just Kansas being a really good team might make it difficult for Nova to stay close if the game, if Kansas gets out to a lead. Yeah. And that's the problem is, is Kansas having a hot start? Of course, because again, they, they didn't get a hot start against Miami and they, they really struggle with the Miami defense and the pressure. And, you know, both teams are missing shots early on, but you look at the pace of play in Villanova in terms of tournament teams in the last three or four games in the tournament, they are fourth in the slowest pace of play. In the, in the amount of possessions that they have. I mean, oh, this yeah. is a team that mucks it up. This is going to be a pretty gross game, probably at least for the first half. And if Kansas can somehow get through that and they can still run their offense efficiently and they can get points, they can get a 5, 10, 11-point lead, I don't know how Nova can come back from that. Like you said, because of that pace of play, this is a, this is a team that slows it down, that, that likes to run their own time and, and likes to bring their opponent down to their level. But if they're going to be down and they're going to have to try to mount a comeback, that's not going to be doing it. That's not going to work for them. Yeah, so I guess the conclusion here, I would, I probably would have a pretty big bet on Villanova if Justin Moore was healthy and they were only getting, um, if they were getting like two or two and a half points. But now with the Moore injury, I know that it's built into the number and maybe too much, but at the same time, the difference between the sixth guy on Villanova's bench and their seventh guy in the rotation seems like a pretty big drop off. This isn't the NBA where if one player right. gets hurt, you could have a, a guy off the bench fill in admirably for a game. Uh, I think the only advantages for Villanova is they had this extra time to pr- prepare a few players to possibly have an extended role. I'm just not sure if I will be, I don't know. I just don't feel good about having my money on a, such an unknown where it could go terribly wrong for Villanova. Even though I do respect Villanova, I think they're good, and I really respect Jay Wright, especially in these uh, tournament games as of late, as he's won two national titles recently. So it's going to be a fun game to uh, – well, maybe not a fun game to watch. If you if you like the slow-paced basketball, maybe it'll be your jam, like the, the Villanova-Houston game turned out. Uh, but it's you know two big programs, and you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, I'm gonna my my bet for this game was gonna be Nova first half. Um, I I have done terribly betting full games in the tournament this season, so I'm gonna go Nova plus two first half on this one. The total's low at 62. Um, yeah. I like I do kind of like the under. I'm not gonna make a play on it right now unless it goes up a little bit, maybe 63 ish. I don't think it's gonna get that high, but definitely Villanova plus two I think is my move here because. I don't know if it's going to be the same start that Kansas had against Miami or if it's going to be similar in the way in that type of game, but I think Nova is a good enough team to at least hang with and possibly lead Kansas at least through 20 minutes of basketball. And I feel a lot more comfortable betting on that 20 minutes than I do a full 40-minute game. So Nova plus two is, is first half is going to be the play for me. Yeah, I can get behind that. All right, let's go to the second game, the uh, the night game, the game that everyone is going to be watching, probably going to be one of the most viewed college basketball games of all time, going to be Duke, North Carolina, Mike Krzyzewski's uh, possible last game if he loses. If not, Duke might be the team of destiny. Uh, you know, that's the term you're hearing, throwing around, team of destiny. Mike Krzyzewski is going to be cutting on the nets as his final game in the championship. So they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Total 151.5. It's a high total. A lot of points are expected, as we talked about. Um, it, it's hard, Nate, to not pick Duke, not only as a winner, but to cover the spread in this game, simply because they have already lost against North Carolina. And I know they lost to them at home. 
And it was a loss that was clearly felt throughout all of Duke Nation. And Mike Krzyzewski, oh, yeah. like, apologized for it in his speech post game. I don't think that happens again. I think Duke not only has gotten better throughout the tournament, Paolo Bancaro has gotten better throughout the tournament, but I think this just Duke team in general is is hitting their stride. And at this point, I don't see North Carolina getting in their way again. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much on the same wavelength as you. For me, it's Duke or pass. I think this number potentially is incredibly short. You just look at the game that you mentioned when North Carolina – beat Duke in Coach K's last home game. Duke closed minus 11 in that game four weeks ago, and now the spread is four, four and a half. And I know you're tack on some for, for home court in Durham, and I know North Carolina at the time, even though they were on a four-game win streak, they were just a few weeks removed from losing to Pitt at home. They needed overtime the game before to beat Syracuse at home, and this isn't a good Syracuse team. Um, and Duke also crushed UNC in Chapel Hill in February. So I think all that kind of stuff and then the inflation of being Duke's last game caused for this number to be probably a little too high at minus 11. But now the fact that it's only minus four on a neutral court, I don't think enough has changed in the last four weeks to justify it. And as you mentioned, Duke, potential team of destiny. I just they're playing really well. And I know North Carolina is also – exceeded their expectations especially as an eight seed they won outright in the second round as a five and a half point underdog against baylor they beat ucla and they were only two and a half against a ucla team that had some injury concerns so i think this line should be more like what it was against baylor like five five and a half for me it's duke or pass i'm pretty confident duke i hate to say it but i think duke's probably going to win the national title because yeah. I, I like their matchup against Kansas in the potential Monday title game. And if Villanova is able to upset Kansas, it's going to, ask, going to be asking a lot of Villanova on a 48-hour turnaround, already shorthanded, to beat a Duke team when all the attention will be on Duke and just feel like, I hate the narrative and like the like straying from the statistics, I guess, but the team of destiny is right and, I just don't think UNC should be upgraded this much where the line should only be four or four and a half. So if you think so, maybe stay away. But for me, it's clearly Duke minus the points or totally past the game. I think there's a really good chance that they end up winning this game and also probably would be my pick to win on Monday night. Yeah, it's it hurts me to pick Duke. And it hurts me to say that Duke is probably the favorite to win the title at this point and, and probably should be the favorite and probably will win. It hurts every fiber in my being, Nate. It does. It kills me. I don't want to see Coach K go out on top. I just don't. But it, yeah. it's almost like it's going to happen <laughs> anyway. You know, yeah. it's it's just it's going to happen. And, and if you don't like Duke, minus four and a half in this one for whatever reason, maybe do their team total. 77 and a half. If, if you think Duke can hit 80 in this game, you should be all yeah. over that. Bat. All over 77 and a half. If you think Duke should hit 80. Now, again, if that issue comes where, all right, they're playing in a football stadium, the sight lines are going to be weird and awkward. Maybe it's going to take them some time to warm up. Maybe you do a little bit of a live bet on their team total. I've done that before. You, you see how they play in the first 10 minutes of the game, get the jitters out, get the sight lines down, and then you hit that team total where it's lower. Maybe it goes down to 72, 71. And then you hit it and they have an explosive second half. So that's going to be kind of the angle that I'm looking at a game like this where 
I do like I do like Duke minus four and a half. I think that's a really good line. But like I said, I've had bad luck. I've had bad luck betting full games in college basketball this season. So I might wait, see how the first ten minutes work out. Maybe sprinkle a little bit on North Carolina first to fifteen, and then hit Duke team total over <laughs> uh, about ten minutes in. Yeah, and I think with basketball, I always would recommend if you can live betting a game if you like a team pregame and and they get out to a lead, but you're worried they're Strong star isn't going to keep up. You have a chance to middle it, or if you just want to wait it out and try to get a better number, um, definitely not going to talk someone out of doing that, especially a game like college basketball. Where there's a lot of variance, and it's just a game oh, of, yeah. of runs. Yeah, 100%. That's that's the way to go. So that's our final four. That's our picks. Again, I'm going to do Nova first half plus two. I'll probably do Duke minus four and a half, but I think I'm going to live bet that team total as well. Um, I, I don't know if I can hit the totals. I really don't. And, and either game, to be quite yeah. honest, they they just they're too set. It seems to me. Yeah, like I said, there was a lot of unders last week. If you got on that, good for you. I think kind of the uh, train has left the station in terms of value on the under, and the uh, there's a little bit I think of a myth of the unders in these big football stadiums as the last few semifinals where fans have been the games. There's been more overs than unders. All right, let's um, let's go to NFL. We got some NFL talk. Put on those helmets, <laughs> shake it off a little bit. We got some team totals we wanted to talk about because yep. there have been some movement on the team totals line. Um, and the top teams we want to talk about. There's two top teams, both B's, Bills, Buccaneers. Bills at eleven and a half with minus one thirty five on the over for the Bills. Yeah, so I guess the Bills. Uh, that means they're the best team. But honestly. Uh, it, it makes sense. I know they lose offensive coordinator Brian Dable, but it's a it's a manageable division, even though maybe the Dolphins have gotten better and then the Patriots did show something last year. But they probably are the best team in the NFL just with pretty much returning everyone. Um, I mean, Sean McDermott's still a pretty pretty good coach. You lose mm-hmm. that heartbreaker in Kansas City in the playoffs. Um, and then maybe there you go a little bit under the radar for people. But I, I like the Bills, obviously. Uh, let's see how high this goes. If it does hit 12 at some point, I could see a, a case for the under because you'd have to have them win 13 or more games to beat you. And as we saw last year in the AFC and just how competitive we think the AFC is going to be this year, uh, I could see a lot of teams kind of finishing really close together where there's not going to be a, a team that wins too many games, but a lot of teams that end up winning between like nine and 11 games. Yeah. It seems to me it's going to be the conference. That's just going to beat up on each other. Essentially yeah. Buccaneers are at 11 and a half. And because of that, I would take the under on 11 and a half for the Buccaneers. And, and I think it seems like this is going to be, again, a team where early on a lot of this stuff's going to be inflated for them because of Tom Brady. And I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be the year Tom Brady like becomes bad or not. Um, he's getting older, so I would have to imagine at some point he's going to start declining a little more. But I would be willing to probably bet against the Buccaneers winning 12 games this upcoming season. The reason I wouldn't bet the under is because of the other teams in their division. You get six games against the Saints, who have a lot of question marks with this Jameis Winston-Dennis Allen partnership of quarterback and head coach. You have the Panthers, who I believe their win total is six and a half, and they struck out on all the potential quarterbacks and probably going to roll again with Sam Darnold. 
And they have the Falcons, who just traded Matt Ryan, are going to have Marcus Mariota, and that's a team we'll touch on just in a little bit. But I think the Buccaneers have a really good chance of not sweeping their division, but at worst, maybe 5-1. and one. And then that means you just have to win seven more games out of your other 11. And I think that's really realistic, especially because the AFC is a, a conference that's very strong. But the NFC is much weaker than the AFC this year. So I think that the, the Buccaneers are still going to have a lot of success, and that's probably why Tom Brady came back, honestly. He saw the landscape of the NFC, the NFC South, and he said, let's try to win another Super Bowl. If, if Tom Brady was on an AFC team or was going to go to an AFC team, I don't think he would uh, jump out of retirement because the path in the AFC is so much tougher. All right, you have the bottom team, the Texans, four and a half. Juice is yeah. on the under. Texans, once again, one of the worst teams in the NFL. Are we going to take the under again? Because I know last year we were talking about that. We were like, God, it's such a low number. Is it even worth taking the under at this point? But it's favored at minus 115. Yeah, I think this is probably a good number. Don't have an opinion either way. Even the worst teams in the NFL, I mean, there's going to be a few that win one or two games. But when it comes to like an average or a median uh, it's really hard to be that bad. I think like even the Texans, as bad as they were, they were playing competitive games last year and even winning games. So on paper, it'll probably they're going to be an underdog in almost every game. Maybe the home game against the uh, Jaguars, they'll be a favorite. We'll see about that. Uh, but yeah, they're going to be the worst team in the league again. I imagine maybe you know some other teams around them. But uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good number at four and a half. <laughs> All right, well, well let's, let's look at some of these biggest line moves because uh, we've got six teams with some pretty big line moves. So let's go rapid fire here. We got the Dolphins at eight and a half, uh, where the over was favored. It's now moved to nine for the season win total for the Dolphins. And of course, you have Tyree Kill and that Hill Jalen Waddle combination is going to be really fun to watch this season with Tua. Um, so it's up to nine, minus one ten on each side, a little bit more even. But you don't get that hook anymore with eight and a half. You still taking this at nine for the Dolphins. Which is a big deal in the NFL because if you have eight and a half over with the Dolphins, nine gets you a win. If not, you need if you have nine, then you need ten just to win. So really, every win counts, especially in competitive AFC. Uh, the lines came out, I believe, Friday. So this was after the Tyreek Hill move. So I could see a situation here at ten nine now. Maybe it goes up a little bit more, at least on the juice towards the over, and then maybe coming back on the under, uh, just because the AFC is so competitive. And I'm not sure if Tua Tungavailoa is the answer, honestly, in Miami. And I know they've equipped him with a great offense, or at least a lot of weapons, and an offensive-minded head coach and Mike McDaniel from the 49ers in the Shanahan coaching tree. And they signed one of the best offensive tackles in Teron Armstead. So they're really, you know, giving Tua all the weapons he needs. Let's see if he can prove it. Um, the Bills are still the class of that division for sure. But the Dolphins, I guess they could be a fun team on paper. Let's see how it plays out. But at, at this point, I definitely would not go over nine on them. You got the Raiders at eight with the over was juiced. And now it's moved up to eight and a half, minus 110 on each side. The Raiders are going to be an interesting team yeah. this season, I think. Um, I mean, the over... It seems very tempting with how they've played and how they're going to play this upcoming season. Um, I would probably lean the over, to be quite honest. 
Well, maybe we can have a side bet because I kind of lean the under. But let, let's oh. wait and see how the offseason goes. But Ooh-hoo-hoo. part of the reason why – so last year we weren't totally high on the Raiders. We thought they yeah. got pretty fortunate how they made the playoffs. But this, looking at the division with the Broncos getting Russell Wilson – the Chargers getting better, the Chiefs still having Patrick Mahomes. It's one of the toughest divisions in probably NFL history, at least on paper. And I know they got Devontae Adams, big trade. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Derek Carr definitely showed that maybe he's at least a, he's a very capable NFL quarterback, maybe not the Raiders' long-term answer, just based on some of the comments we've always heard from Las Vegas. Sounds like they always want something a little bit more, have a little bit more of an upside. I was a little bit surprised to see this go up to eight and a half just because the division is so hard. So let's monitor that throughout the summer. That'll be something I look at throughout the summer. Would not be surprised if I end up a little bit of a little small bet on the under for the Raiders, especially because I'm just not sure about Josh McDaniels as a court, as a head coach. Um, he failed in Denver, went back to the, uh, the Belichick rehab school and, uh, was the offensive coordinator there. They had some success, but I don't know. Last year, I didn't really love the Patriots offense that much and what kind of what they ran and how conservative they were. So we'll see, but I was a little surprised to see the movement just because it's a really tough division with those three other teams. All right. Giants seven and a half moved down to seven. Pretty self-explanatory. It's, it's the Giants. He- yeah, not surprised there. So the under was minus 135, so it was kind of trending in between that 7 and 7.5, seven and, and now it's 7 flat. Uh, not too much to add. It'll be a, probably an improved team just from like a – they'll maybe cover some more games with Joe Judge out, Brian Dable in. Daniel Jones, I guess the question is can he stay healthy? Can he take kind of the – Can he get better? In, yeah, <laughs> that too. Like is he an NFL – is he an NFL starter? And we're going to find out. Yeah. This year, it's a huge year for him, obviously. Uh, but yeah, not much to say. I guess one thing uh, to maybe not to go against the line move and bet the over. I don't think I bet the over, but just a reason why they maybe will do a little bit better than last year is not a huge fan of that division. I I was not a fan of the commanders getting Carson Wentz. I don't think he provides any kind of upside there, especially since they're taking on his whole salary. So I think seven seems about right for the Giants. Uh, no real opinion. I could see myself betting on them as underdogs against the spread, but I can also see them only going five and 12 or six and 11. All right. Chicago Bears, seven and a half. Under was favored. Now it's down to seven with uh, the under yeah. even more favored than it was at seven and a half. It's minus 130 now for the under for seven. Not a lot of confidence in the Chicago Bears <laughs> and Justin Fields and a defense that's in shambles, a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, a lot of new, which means you might get some good value on the over because a lot of unknowns with the Bears, but uh, talent isn't exactly there on the field. Yeah, and, and I think one thing you have to look at is kind of the direction of the team and how they've approached free agency, and they traded Khalil Mack, and I'm guessing they might trade some other players as they look to clear cap room to have a big offseason next year, but that doesn't help this year. So I think the seven and a half was way too high of a number. It was seven and a half minus 20 minus 25 at open. Now, as you mentioned, seven under minus 130. I wouldn't be surprised if this gets to six and a half, maybe a little bit juice on the over, 
But just I think the direction and like the philosophy of the Bears this year, it's a really a rebuild. And when you're in a rebuild, it's probably hard to win eight games in the NFL, even by accident. And unless Justin Fields is a complete superstar, which he definitely could be, um, I just don't think they have the weapons and offensive line around him where they're gonna he's gonna have too much success where they're gonna you know vie for a playoff spot. So. Next, uh, beyond maybe the Bears will figure it out, but for this year, 2022, I, I don't think they're going to have many wins. All right, let's finish this up. Falcons, five and a half, has moved now to five. At minus 110 on each side for the Falcons. Yes. They're going to be pretty bad. Yeah, I think that's kind of a pretty telling thing that the Falcons open with the third lowest win total, the lowest in the NFC, and it got bet down from – Five and a half plus a hundred on the under to five <laughs> flat. And mentioned Marcus Mariota as their quarterback. It was a team that ended up winning like more games than you would expect it last year, but they had a, a horrible uh, point differential. So I think you can see just some. They're not going to win as many games as next year. I think the or last year they have no talents really around Mariota. So even if he is okay, they don't really have any receivers. I'm sure they'll address it in the draft. It's not a good offensive line, and that's why probably Matt Ryan struggled the last few years. The defense, nothing really special there. I guess the only kind of good thing for the Falcons where they can maybe accidentally get some wins is their division has the Saints and Panthers. And Saints probably a little bit definitely better than those teams, but definitely question marks and uncertainty about them. And then the Panthers just a little bit better than the Falcons, I guess. But yeah, I think the Falcons are in for a long year, and I think it's pretty uh, pretty telling that this moved already within the last five days um, to five. All right, New York Jets. Positive news for the Jets, yeah. amazingly. Went from five with the over being favored. They're now at five and a half with the over at minus 105. The Jets are actually moving up on their win total predictions. Yes, and as I mentioned when it gets too low, sometimes you just by default have like the computers that people have and their algorithms say you just have to bet the over. And I, I think there's a good chance that or like a good better chance that the Jets win five or more um, than four or less. So that's why the win total got bet up from five to five and a half. I think the thing here is second year quarterback Zach Wilson. Can he make a big leap? and prove that he was worthy of the number two overall pick. And if he does show a lot of improvement, then I think that there is definitely a chance the Jets could win six or more games. So I think it's really a bet on that. And just some of the players that they've drafted recently uh, end up panning out. So now at five and a half, probably a no bet. But I just think it's interesting that the Jets, which opened with the second lowest win total in the NFL, has seen some action on the over. So maybe a not a dark horse playoff team, especially in the AFC, but maybe a team that could be a point spread darling and cover a lot of numbers, especially early in the year before people um, know if they're if they're good or not. And once we know if they're good or bad, then we kind of the point spreads become more predictable. But maybe early in the year they can uh, sneak up on some teams. All right, it's time Masters talk. It's getting warmer, yes. sort of. It's getting into <laughs> April, though, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, we're feeling good. We're feeling spring weather. Masters. Early targets for the Masters next week. Nate, I'm ready. 
Yep. And during the final four, you'll see plenty of Masters commercials, the Masters music, and, and maybe oh, that'll get best. you ready to go for uh, Augusta's. We tee off. If you're listening to this on a Thursday, we tee off next Thursday for the Masters. And just wanted to share four players. I have circles, bats, two uh, guys at the top, a mid-range guy, and then a, and a long shot. So four guys I've kind of been monitoring the last few weeks as guys I think can win the Masters or at least do well in the Masters. Uh, first one, Justin Thomas. You can find him anywhere from 12 to 1 to 14 to 1. I've always thought of him as a player who could win the Masters. He's from the southeast part of the United States where Augusta is in Georgia. And just the way he's been playing, it just feels like he's trending in the right direction towards a win, where he hasn't won this year, but he finished eighth in Phoenix, sixth at the Genesis Invitational. Last time out, or last stroke play event, he was third at the Valspar. Really good strokes gain approach numbers. He avoided playing a lot of rounds in the uh, in the match play, so I like that he's going to be fresh for the Masters. I know he's at Augusta this week hitting balls with Tiger Woods, so I'm sure he's very locked in to this event. I feel like Justin Thomas is kind of primed to win an, an event like this, and he hasn't won a major since, I believe, the 2017 PJ Championship, and he's won a lot in his career. So I feel like he is a, kind of due for a big win. Um, but you have to pay, you know, a premium, 12 to 1. The best number I found was 14 to 1. I would wait a little bit. Maybe guys like Scheffler and Rahm and, and Morikawa get a lot of momentum next week, and maybe he drifts like 16, maybe Rory or something. But uh, Tom is definitely a guy. The next guy, not too far behind him on the Masters boards, Victor Hovland. The best I saw was 18 to 1. He's just been in really good form this season. Strong performances at the Genesis, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Played pretty well at the players in kind of that crazy weather tournament. In 2019, he was the low amateur at the Masters, and he was in Butler Cabin uh, with Tiger Woods getting awarded that low amateur award while Woods, you know, got all the attention for winning the Masters. But Hovland had a good first, you know, 2019 with the Masters. In 2021, last year, he did finish 21st, but he did triple bogey his first hole at the Masters and kind of bounced back in rallies. So he was always playing from behind. If he can get out to a better start, I think he's going to contend. He has four worldwide wins since June 2021. Just a player who's young and exciting and I feel like is going to compete in all the majors this year. So Victor Hovland, for me, is probably a player I'll bet hopefully at 18 to one, possibly 20 to one. We're going to wait out and see if we get a better number next week when, when the, all the books post their odds and kind of readjust their odds based on the action this week at the Valero Texas open. Um, the next guy, a little bit down on the board, Adam Scott, former winner in 2013, had a really good finish this year at the Genesis has been putting better, which has been always an issue for this game. He advanced out of his group at match play and then lost a big lead in the round of 16 to Kevin Kisner. But I actually think that's a good thing because he didn't have to play. Only had to play four rounds in four days instead of potentially seven rounds in five days because he was eliminated on Saturday. You can find him anywhere from 45 to 1 to 66 to 1. I'd imagine next week, because he did play, has played well as a former winner, that he would probably settle around 50 to 1. I think that's fine to take Adam Scott. So that's a player I like. For next week, and then a total bomb, total long shot. Thomas Peters finds is as good as 130 to one. 
He played really well in match play last week, but he was unlucky to get out of his, not get out of his group. He has two wins on the Euro Tour, which got him into this field because he's top 50 in the world rankings. He finished tied for fourth in his Masters debut in 2017. Hasn't done too much more than that, but he's a player with a really high upside. And if he can reach that ceiling for a couple days at Augusta, I think he can be in, in the mix. And if you have a big ticket like that, probably not going to win, but I think can at least get you some excitement into the weekend at the Masters. So Thomas, Hovland, Scott, Peters, four guys I'm targeting. Um, and honestly, if I do end up betting both Thomas and Hovland, probably not going to have too much room on my Masters card to bet more guys if I focus on two guys at the top of the board. So um, that's where I'm at. We'll see what happens. I'll have my article out next week previewing everything about the Masters and maybe adding a few names to consider. But other than that, yeah, so listen back if you need that analysis. And I guess follow me on TikTok for more of my golf information, (laughs) something I never thought I'd say in my life. There we go. Love it. I'm excited for the Masters, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be just this is the start of spring. Weather's nice. Yep. You get to see some good golf. And uh, maybe we'll see some Tiger Woods come back. Who knows? Yeah, that was the big story this week. And honestly, I I, I kind of want Tiger Woods to play. I obviously want him to play in terms of you know being a golf fan. But I also want him to play because I think it might help the betting board a little bit. Because you add Tiger Woods, who's going to be extremely overpriced in the Masters board maybe a guy like adam scott falls Mm -hmm. down a little bit because the tiger name is there and everyone's going to be gravitating towards him i will say one thing for the masters and obviously i gave you some targets but one thing you should not do next week is bet on tiger woods to win (laughs) he hasn't played a competitive round of golf in over a year when he did win the masters in 2019 he was playing very well so at least he was trending in the right direction. But he'd ha- the course at Augusta, Augusta National, you have to walk the course, and it's very hilly where you're walking up and down, and he's coming off a serious leg injury he suffered in that car accident. So maybe he puts together a strong round or something, but do not count on him to be able to master such a difficult course where he just hasn't played enough golf where he's a threat to win. So it'll be a good story if he plays and definitely draw some eyeballs, even more eyeballs to the Masters. But leave him out of your fantasy lineups. Leave him out of your betting cards. If you can find matchups at a reasonable price to fade him, I would do that. We'll have to see who he's matched up against. But, yeah, Tiger Woods, hope he plays the Masters. But from a betting standpoint, complete fade. There you go. There's a good Masters. We got Masters. We got NFL. We got Final Four. Everything in this episode. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, you can read Nate's golf picks, Masters picks next week on WatchStadium.com. So that's always going to be good. You can follow us on Twitter. Follow Nate on TikTok. He's trying to become the next TikTok phenom, everybody. You want to make sure you follow him. And uh, we'll be back uh, either next week or the week after. Probably maybe we'll do a Masters thing next week. We'll, we'll see. Bring some people on to talk. Um, but stay with us. Keep subscribed. And uh, we'll see you when we see you. We'll